Welcome in, ladies and gentlemen, to episode number 61 of Let's Go Racing with David Scott. Tyler Jones here with you. So glad to have you with us. Coming up on today's show, we are going to be joined by one of the newest members of the NASCAR Camping World Truck Series. Brad Perez is here, as we will hear from Brad about his debut in the Truck Series over the weekend at COTA. Later on, we will have our news and notes segment with the latest headlines happening in motorsports. And then we will wrap up the show with our Ask David segment as well. All that and more coming up in just a few moments. But before we get to any of that, our show is presented by our new sponsor, Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came on board as the primary sponsor this year on David's 08 Ford Mustang. And we want to tell you a little bit about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including... NASCAR and other forms of motorsports fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Series race throughout the season. Visit TicketSmarter.com for more information. That is TicketSmarter.com. David Starr is here with us right now. David, good to hear from you. A uh, fascinating weekend in Coda there in Austin. The fans showed up. Good turnout and good racing action with Ross Chastain getting his first win in the Cup Series and also the first win for Team Trackhouse with Justin Marks and Pitbull. Man, what an what a incredible weekend. All the way from, from starting from Thursday, uh, Thursday all the way to Sunday, uh, the weather was perfect, beautiful, sunny skies, clear skies, beautiful Texas weather. And, man, Tyler, the racing did not disappoint. I don't care if it was a Camping World Truck Series the Xfinity race or the Cup Series, uh, all three races, all three NASCAR races were just phenomenal. The fans got their money's worth. And uh, coming back from last year, the inaugural race there at Coda, when, man, we dealt with a bunch of weather, a bunch of rain, there were fans everywhere. It was neat to see the fans back in the stands and back at the Austin road course. Uh, but, man, the racing was phenomenal. And, man... Ross Chastain, God, we knew he was a great race car driver, but man, I would tell you, he, man, after watching his performance this weekend, he's, uh, to me, he's one of the best out there. I mean, when you can beat A.J. Allmendinger, uh, you know, Kyle Busch, uh, Chase Elliott, all those, uh, you know, just on and on and on, all the cup guys that we know are phenomenal on these road courses. And Ross can step in there with a the, with the sophomore new cup team with the next-gen yeah. car and, man, dominate like he did. It was such a phenomenal race, not only in the cup series, but the Xfinity, Xfinity series as well. What a great weekend. Yeah, uh, A.J. Allmendinger getting it done on the Xfinity side. Truck race was exciting as well. And uh, Dominic Oregon of the RacingExperts.com joins us as well. Dom, uh, good to have you back after a couple of weeks for you on the road as uh, you've been traveling the country, enjoying a little spring break. But nonetheless, I know that you've been enjoying the uh, great NASCAR action we've seen over the uh, last few weeks. Five different winners in the first five races of the Cup schedule. Oh, sure thing. It was awesome to be out there in Atlanta. We took a little spring break detour, went to Lynchburg, Tennessee, got to see the distillery. So we kind of copied you on that, Tyler. We saw Graceland and yeah, definitely a lot of fun traveling the, the country the last few weeks. But yeah, a lot of great NASCAR action packed in all three of the 
the top touring series. And yeah, this weekend at Coda was certainly no exception to that. Yeah, for sure. David, uh, let's start there before we bring in Brad, just real quick of, uh, of Ross Chastain getting it done and getting that win for Team Trackhouse there. Uh, what, the, the progress for both Ross and Team Trackhouse, here's a team you mentioned, just a, their second year in sports. And, you know, they took some big steps buying the, the charters from Ganassi, but Ross Chastain has been running in the top five, it seems, every single week. And it was only a matter of time before he was able to close the door and get that win. And I'm amazed, too, when you look at his career, Ross Chastain, whether it was his days in the truck series or the Xfinity series or early on in his cup days, it always felt like he was playing behind the eight ball a bit, that he wasn't necessarily always in the best situation. And now we're seeing Ross finally compete on an even playing field, and he's showing how good he is. Yeah, it's really uh, it's really refreshing to see it. Uh, a kid, uh, a kid that worked his tail off, great short track racer, gets an opportunity in the truck series, takes advantage of it, uh, steps into uh, some good equipment. Uh, not too, not too many years ago, with Al Nice Motorsports, almost wins the championship. I think he lost it by one point. Uh, get an opportunity to come up to the Xfinity Series, uh, drive for a team that's underfunded and really showcase his talent with that, uh, with that team on the Xfinity side. I mean, he was always a, a threat every week. Uh, I don't think he won any races, but, but you could see how talented he was as a race car driver because of how that car finished in the past and where he was finishing race with it, races with it. And, uh, and then to see him get an opportunity on the cup side with Trackhouse uh, you know, they, they hired him because they thought he was phenomenal. And uh, he showed us how phenomenal he is. It's refreshing for a kid or somebody that has heart and desire and passion. and uh, can Didn't bring any funding to that car. No, and can drive the wheels off a race car. And to get the opportunity, and, and like you were saying, Tyler, you know, Justin Marks, Trackhouse, Pitbull, what they've done in their second year as, as a new team in, in the NASCAR Cup Series is phenomenal. But, you know, you look at Daniel Suarez. I, I remember last year towards the end of the year, second part of the season, you could see Daniel Suarez. They were making some big strides, and I was watching him, and, and uh, man, he just kept clicking off those top tens. He was very competitive. And then we have a car change, a whole redesign of a race car, the next-gen car. We start the 2022 season, and uh, it seemed like Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain you know, if anybody, you know, where's, what's the big surprise, the big story to, to date in the Cup Series is Trackhouse with uh, with those two drivers, man. They're really consistent. You look at the race on Sunday, which, which Ross Chastain drove his number one car into victory lane. But you look at the first stage, uh, Daniel Suarez had him covered, uh, big time had him covered. And I don't really know, I can't tell you, we were there, we were watching the race. The race was exciting, but I can't tell you what took place to take him out of the lead and change the way his race turned out. But I know that Daniel Suarez's car was phenomenal. And uh, Ross Chastain was up there in the top five, I believe, as Daniel was leading. But, uh, you know, that second stage, man, it was, all, it was all Ross Chastain. And just amazing what that team has done and just their second year of being in the business and being a team, it's phenomenal, you know, and uh, it has everybody's attention. 
whether you're a team owner, a sponsor, a driver, you know, I think Trackhouse is a, is a team that's going to be, you know, going to be a force to be reckoned with in this run for the championship this year. You know, what's y'all's thoughts on that? Tyler? Yeah, I mean, uh, I remember when Pitbull signed on board to be, you know, the co-owner of that team. He said, you know, we're not here just to uh, come win in this sport. We're here to change the culture. And I think that you're seeing <laughs> that that culture is uh, is being changed. They're doing it their way. And it's different than everything else that we've seen. Uh, it's fascinating uh, for sure. Um, Dom, uh, on, on Coda, before we bring in Brad real quick, to me, like, this was the first real race weekend for Coda, right? David mentioned all the rain that happened last year and, and it just didn't feel right. Now, this year, we know about the deal with SMI. They rent the track to be able to use it and such. You have a partnership going. They did announce that There'll be tickets available for next year. They intend to come back next year. But with the way that everybody talked about it, I know it's a challenging racetrack, but as exciting as it was and the turnout that was out there, there's no reason why Coda shouldn't be on the schedule for a long time. Uh, I, I was very impressed with that track. It's not even built for stock cars. It's built for F1 <laughs> race cars. And yet these guys put on a show. Oh, they put on one heck of a show. You guys got to see it in person. I, I hope to get out there someday soon. But yeah, I think the racing has been awesome. Coda was a great race this past weekend, and you said a best tire with no rain, and we got to actually see a, a great race to the end and even some overtime and some great passes and some great – and we have an instant classic finish now with what happened on Sunday. Yes, great racing, and, and I think it's just only going to hype up the event for next year. Yeah. Dominic, before we bring in Brad, give us the formal introduction and tell us about it. Yeah, Brad, I've known Brad now about – seven, eight years, might even be longer. He might know more, <laughs> but he and I actually used to sim race against each other. And we met at Homestead for the first time in the flesh in 2015 during the championship race weekend. We've stayed in touch over the years, but, but Brad has been working towards his career in motorsports. He's worked with several teams in the NASCAR garage area. He got to make his ARCA series debut last year. Before that, he was racing spec Miatas and running different places around the country in the Hoosier, the Hoosier tour. And made his truck series debut this past weekend for the Room Brothers at Coda. Brad, so awesome to have you on the show with us this week. Oh, thanks for having me, guys. It's a lot of fun to be here. And uh, I know I've been meaning to come on here. So I'm glad in this circumstance I've been able to come here and, and get chat with you guys. Oh, absolutely. How has it been for you the last few days? I mean, of course, you ran the race on Saturday. And I'm sure you've had a lot of people reaching out to you. What's that reception been like? Oh, it was, it's, it's been a lot. Uh, definitely. It's probably the most my phone has exploded in ever. <laughs> um, you know, I wish I had this many people uh, texting me about my Miata racing. Cause I feel like I would have done that for longer. Um, just um, a lot of hard work went into it. Um, the week before the race, I mean, even from when the announcement started, um, I was at the shop pretty much like all day, all night. So I didn't really get a chance to kind of like relish in it. Um, until like that day and you know like the the media coverage and and like Michael Waltrip and Jamie Little coming up and I, I was like well, what are y'all doing like like this is kind of a weird situation that they'd be even talking to me so um, definitely a different perspective coming to the racetrack as a NASCAR uh, person I guess I've always been a crew member but I, it's hard to to see myself as a driver sometimes but uh, that hey, was Brad, definitely let me, let me correct you real quick as a NASCAR race car driver, there you go, buddy. There you <laughs> yeah, go. not a NASCAR member, a NASCAR race car driver. There you go. Yeah, that, that's true. That's true, David. <laughs> uh, I guess I can say that now. 
Even Welcome to the fraternity. <laughs> <laughs> Going to Martinsville as a crew member, but I guess I call myself a race car driver now. It says hey, it on my heart. Brad, you've run one more race than Dominic and I have. <laughs> yes. <laughs> yeah. Well, uh, it's it, it was awesome, man. It everything leading up to it and and the race itself. It, it was it was a great experience. Well, we'll take us back to the end, Brad. We know you hail from Hollywood, Florida, South Florida. You know, Homestead Miami Speedway is your home track. Where did it all start for you? Do you have family involved in racing? What inspired you to get involved in motorsports in the first place? So uh, my family was not a racing family. Um, I actually got into it because uh, my dad worked in construction. He was a, like, he, he oversaw a lot of uh, construction sites. So um, they used a lot of DuPont materials. So because of that, they, I got a poster of Jeff Gordon's DuPont car. And I was like, man, this is pretty cool. Like, this is real. And then my dad's like, yeah, it's real. Like, you know, like watch it on TV and then watch a couple races on TV. And uh, then I was like, man, this is pretty cool. So um, I got into racing. I, my dad took me to the go-kart track and I tried it out and yeah, I, I fell in love with it. Um, unfortunately, um, in 2005, 2006, my parents kind of went through tough times financially. So uh, we weren't able to race. Uh, but with that, you know, I did a bunch of other stuff, but I became a bigger fan as time went on. And that's kind of where I met you. You know, I, I met you sim racing because the only way I, I had like a taste of what it was like to do it is to do it on the internet. And, um, you know, I still didn't give up on it. I figured when I got older, I could try to give it a self, give it a shot myself with my money and my time, my resources, whatever I could do. And, um, you know, somehow I'm here now. So, <laughs> well, man, what a great, what a great story, uh, Brad. This, it just goes to show you, you know, if you, you know, if there's a will, there's a way. You have a lot of passion. You have a lot of heart. And, uh, you know, it's always great to hear somebody's story, uh, how, you know, how that, where that inspiration came from. And, uh, man, to, to hear where it came from and see what you just done this past weekend. And I don't even know if people really realize what you did because what you did was extraordinary because you had to race your way into the race and you did that you qualified your way into that race that truck race and uh, i think there was three or four trucks that went home and you made it uh that's that says something about your ability you know and uh, to hear you know to hear a real story how your parents hit tough times like a lot of people have you know over the years and, and through recessions and stuff like that but you never gave up on your dream. And it's cool to hear uh, how you met Dominic and the iRacing stuff and the iRacing kept you sharp and kept you in the game. And, and uh, you know, I always wondered, you know, the iRacing is so popular. And during the, the pandemic with all the uh, iRacing on television to entertain the, the NASCAR fans and all the other people that were watching it, you know, I, I really thought, not a I wasn't a participant I didn't drive them because I, I've really never been an iRacer you know what I mean I think I've done yeah. it one time and I can tell you the one time I've done it you know what I mean that's not for me because it's hard you know but uh yeah. but it's cool to hear your story because it lets other people know other racers know that that may have a similar story that hey man you know look at Brad Brad just got through racing his first NASCAR came from World Truck Series, professional race car driver in the NASCAR ranks. You know, that's that's making it as a professional. That's getting to the top, the top levels. And uh, to do it 
with your experience of being an iRacing is really inspiring to a lot of other people out there that may have similar stories. You know what I mean? So, man, congratulations to you. And, uh, man, heck of a job for making the race. And, and uh, I'm excited to see uh, what the future holds for Brad. You know what I mean? Oh, thank you, David. But that's that's pretty cool. Who uh, and, and who – the 43 truck, uh, who owns it? Uh, Josh Rayum. Uh, yeah, he does everything. <laughs> What's, what a great guy. Josh, Josh Rayum is a great friend of mine. And, uh, man, it's exciting for him to give a young man like yourself an opportunity. And I hope there's uh, several more to come for you. And, uh, you know, and, and – and, and, you know, I, I've learned a little bit about you, but tell everybody what you do when you're not racing, when you're not being a NASCAR race car driver, what your other job is. So um, so my, my history in the garage kind of started in 20, oh man, 2018. I uh, started working for Rickware Racing uh, when they had their Xfinity program. Um, helped out a little bit and then ended up being introduced to Brian Barry. You're familiar with him and, and working for JD Motorsports. Yeah, great guy. I mean, uh, I worked with him at JD Motorsports from like late 18 all the way to 2019 and ended up working for uh, Tommy Joe Martins, Martins Motorsports. So I was on the 44 car uh, for quite a bit and then ended up working for Rackley. So now right now I'm the tire specialist on the 25 truck, uh, Rackley War. And um, that's kind of my part-time thing. You know, it's tough to work at the shop you know, all day and all night when you really want to race. Um, obviously, it would make sense if you were, you know, in a driving position. But in my position, I needed time to help get sponsorship and, and be able to do the small things that you need to do as, a, as an aspiring driver to be able to put yourself in a position that you can do it. So I decided to do some just track work, you know, traveling stuff. And then I uh, ended up picking up a job at the BMW Performance Center in South Carolina, uh, thanks to a buddy who also used to race in NASCAR, James Bickford. Um, and he helped out and uh, got me that job and I'm, I'm grateful for it because it, uh, that allows me to take off the time. They, they encourage us to race. They want us, they're like, Hey, if you race, take off work, you could do it. And, um, you know, it's, that's the push that I need because, uh, being able to take time off work and keeping a steady paycheck while also being in a, in a place where they facilitate you, like part of our job every day is to give those clients a hot lap at the end of the day. And you got to be sharp. I mean, there is no messing up. You, we sometimes have tandem drifting, you know, and it's just being high in high pressure situations. Or even though I'm not racing, I'm still having to, to drive just about every day and, and drive it at a pretty high level. So uh, two things that kind of help each other. And I'm, I'm really glad I get to do that now. So, Brad, tell me this. What's a typical week look like for you if you're you're doing the uh, the racing school and then also at the racetrack it, yourself, whether you're working on the crew or driving the race car, I mean, do you have any time to breathe and rest of it? I mean, that, that sounds like a lot on your plate, man. Uh, you, you know, I'm totally being honest with you. I I moved to, to North Carolina in 2019, and I, I didn't do it to, to mess around. I, I did it because this is what I want to do. Like, I could have stayed home in Florida and went to the club every Saturday night and and you know not that there's a, anything wrong with that <laughs> I, yeah I, I know but you know I, I'm 25 now and, and you know you see kids like Ty Gibbs and you know all those young guys that you know I looked at I watched the broadcast the other day and I see like at least five to seven 23 year olds that have more than 50 starts in the truck series and I'm 25 and I had my first you know 
I, I don't have much time when, when it comes to this. And, and you got to go full force because in this industry, if, if you if you think you could take a break, I mean, somebody else is going to step in your place with either more money or, or more talent. And, and there you are. So, you know, I got to work pretty hard for this. And, and I don't care how hard I work for it. I just, I just want to do it. So if that's what I have to do, then, then I'll do it. So. Hey, Brad, let me, let me, uh, let me give you just a little bit of advice. Don't worry about, don't worry about what these other young kids are doing. You just focus on Brad. You know what I mean? I, uh, I didn't make it as a professional race car driver. I was 28 years old. And uh, man, all I, all I, all I focused, on, focused on and worried about was just how I was going to get there, you know, trying to create an opportunity, win the races I could win with the opportunities that people were giving me. Uh, you know, it, was there a lot younger, better race car drivers? Absolutely they were, but man, I just focused on me and what my goal was and, and, and trying to achieve that, you know what I mean? So, yes, there's probably a lot younger, more younger people out there that are racing who have so many more starts than you do now. But, but man, you're an NASCAR race car driver now, and we can't change what our age is, but you just keep marching forward. Don't worry about age. You just go after it, man. Keep digging. Don't, don't, let, that, don't let that, you know, deterrent you or, or anything. You just keep – Keep digging forward like you're doing. You're doing a great job at it. And I wanted to say, uh, you were talking earlier, I caught something you said. I was talking to another race car driver this past weekend that works in the race shop. And, you know, we all grow up, I did, and a lot of the racers do grow up building their race cars, fabricating, building engines, and, and putting our transmission together doing a rig and pinion in the rear end, you know, just working on our race car. Everybody has a story. Uh, but, you know, you don't hear a lot of the race car drivers that you compete against that work in the race shop. And, and here's why. Because, you know, I used to, when I, when, when I raced for a long time before, before, I was just a hired race car driver. I didn't have to worry about going out and getting funding, getting sponsors, making sure our sponsors were getting their value, uh, at the racetrack, but away from the racetrack as well. I didn't have to worry about that. But the industry changed, okay? And when it changed, that required for me and you to go out if our parents aren't wealthy, you know, we don't come for money and our parents, our grandparents can't write a check and support our racing, then we got to figure out how we're going to do this and we got to go out and we got to find funding and create value and uh, working in a race shop all day long on race cars, that's not, that's taking time away from making phone calls, going to meetings. And if we do have a sponsor, making sure we're doing stuff away from the racetrack for our sponsors, you know, so that the industry change, you know, and sometimes like you were saying, you can get caught up in working in the race shop and working for a team because you got to make a paycheck and make a living. But, you know, but sometimes you can get caught up in that and which there's nothing wrong with it. But, man, that's not that's not the path you want to go if you got aspirations of being a full time NASCAR race car driver, because we got to go out and find money. So uh, I respect what you said and what you're doing. And, uh, you know, having the job at the BM plant, being an instructor, you're meeting you're meeting people. You're out there. You're not working full-time at a race shop, and that's a great thing just because it gives you time to go out and try to find more funding, 
get more partners. Partners mean sponsors. So, so Brad can get back on the racetrack and race full time to the NASCAR, uh, you know, camping truck series. So kind of interesting to, to hear you talk about that earlier. Yeah, yeah, it's um, it's a it's a balance that I've had to learn. Like, it's something that like I kind of wish there was a book written for you about it, but uh, you kind of just have to figure it out and and learn from. I mean, people like yourself and and a lot of the other drivers who I had worked for, and and really just learn how to manage all that and and just kind of figure it out. So you know, still a work in progress. You know, things keep changing, and sure, uh, I'm really I'm I'm grateful for the position that I'm in right now. So. You know there's an old saying that I think goes back to exactly what you guys are talking about. You know, when, when Brad is saying, you know, that, Hey, there's these young guys coming up and he's trying to keep pace and such and do his own thing. Don't worry about the mules. Just load the wagon. <laughs> yeah, you're right about that. Yeah. And Hey, Brad, you loaded the wagon this week, buddy. And uh, <laughs> Hey, no doubt about it, man. You, what you did this weekend, you should be proud of yourself driving for a respectful truck team. And, uh, man, you need, you need to capitalize on that, you know, and, uh, you know, you need to be thanking your sponsors, uh, and, and calling new ones and, uh, get back on the racetrack real soon with, 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 with Josh, you know what I mean? So, uh, so, you know, you got to, you got a taste of it. Like you said, you had Jamie Little and Michael Walter down there talking to you and you're like, man, this is nuts. You know what I mean? But it's real. You know, kid from Hollywood, Florida, that was a high racer. Now he's big time. You know what I mean? And you need to capitalize on that. And I'm excited for you. Uh, you know, you're you're an inspiration, a breath of fresh air. And, and uh, this sounds like, man, you got a lot of want to, and that's what it takes. And, uh, and and all three of us can't wait to see what your future looks like. And I think it's going to be big. Oh, thank you, sir. Well, Brad, uh, I hear that you have the nickname Bread. How did you get that? <laughs> uh, so that's that's a that's a funny story. It's, it's definitely a, a, a story about where I'm from. And uh, so uh, my name is Brad Perez. So I have a, a non-Hispanic first name and a Hispanic last name. <laughs> and uh, I, I grew up in a predominantly Hispanic area. I went to a predominantly Hispanic high school. So kind of English was like a second language um, at the high school that I went to. And uh, obviously took a lot of Spanish classes and honor Spanish. And I would have a lot of teachers that would just butcher my name. Like they, my name, full name was Bradley. So they would say Brenly or Blunley or, you know, they just would not spell it correctly or say it correctly. <laughs> and, you know, I felt bad. So I was like, all right, you know, I'm, I'm tired of it being a joke. You know, let me, let me figure something out. So let me shorten it. So I want to go four letters, Brad. You know, everybody knows who Brad Pitt is. You know, it doesn't matter where you're from. Everybody knows who that is. So uh, I tried saying my name was Brad at the food truck one day and I uh, got my order back and they yelled out to the crowd, Brett. <laughs> and I said, you know what? That's my name. <laughs> changed my Twitter name that day in high school and I have not changed it since. So he's, he's the bread man. I like it. <laughs> He earned yeah. the bread this week in Dakota. <laughs> call me what you want to call me, but call me an NASCAR Camp World Truck Series race car driver. He should be a motivational speaker, David. Well, hey, man, he is. hey, you know what I mean? I'm, hey, you know, it's, uh, hey, you did something you've been wanting to do for a long time, man, and uh, it's a big deal, you know, and, uh, you know, it's like what you got to do this weekend, this past weekend, is something special. You tell me how many race NASCAR race car drivers there are in the world. You, you have an idea? Probably less than 100. 
Absolutely. Absolutely. I, I think you're your spot, you're right on. I think there's 36 in the Camping World Truck Series. There's 38 in the uh, NASCAR Xfinity Series. And I believe there's 40, am I right, guys? Mm -hmm. In the Cup Series. So, uh, you know what I mean? Just right over 100, really, you know what I mean? And uh, you're one of them, man. You was one of them this past weekend in the world, man. You know what I mean? And I know uh, I have a lot of friends who short track racers around the country. Uh, that would love to love to step off out of their short track routes and, and drive a NASCAR, Xfinity car, cup car, or truck anywhere in the United States. You know what I mean? And you just did it. So uh, it's, it's really something special. So I'm not, I'm not your motivator speak. I'm, you know, I'm not trying to be a motivator to you. I just, you know, want you to know what you did this past weekend was a really big deal, you know, and, and you, you already know that. Yeah, I just, I, you know, I just try to put it in perspective. I, I, I don't want to try to, like, you know, bite off a piece and say, yeah, yeah, whatever, because, you know, there's, there's a lot of work to be done still, and, and I, I want to just keep my head down and, and make sure that I'm, I'm doing all the right things, you know. So, so, Brad, usually on this show, we're talking about, you know, drivers and you know, their experiences they've had with David and such, but you and Dominic have raced against each other? I mean <laughs> – yeah, <laughs> this guy, this goofy-looking guy over here, you know, I mean, uh, yeah. tell me about it, about you guys knowing each other and, and uh, what that's been like and such. So uh, I, I'm pretty sure Dominic can tell you too, but we used to be in a, in a league called FTF. Um, this is before FTF was, was on iRacing. This is when FTF was on a, on a game called NASCAR Racing 2003 season. Um, like I guess most people know it as like the game that Dale Jr. met TJ Majors on uh, back then. And, and same thing, uh, how he met Ryan or not Ryan, uh, Martin Truex Jr. Um, and me and him raced in that game and, and ran a pretty competitive league. I mean, it we had people going home like we had I racing or not. And our races were like you would have to qualify in on on speed. And there was like 47 of them showing up every week. So it's funny. I had kind of experience doing that type of thing online, uh, that pressure. Um, so uh, it's funny. That's how I met Dominic and we ran up other types of leagues in that, in that game. And um, that experience honestly is as, I mean, obviously it's not real car racing experience, but it definitely is like racecraft and like, you know, planning a race and, you know, figuring out strategy and you having to do that yourself. So uh, that was fun to do it with Dominic back in the day when we were kids. <laughs> yeah, we did a lot of that FTF, I think even as recent as maybe 2018. And I got to say that was probably the most competitive online racing league I have ever raced into this day. And, and Brad, I think you and I raced at UNSR, right? Ultimate National Sim Races. Yep, he, he runs cart chase for now down there in South Florida. But, yeah, we ran there, I think, even maybe as early as 2012, 2013. So, Brad and I definitely go back a long way. And, man, I always joke that, you know, we've had some of these other guys on the show. Like, we've had Justin Melillo on. And, man, you, you always knew if Justin was racing, okay, you're not going to be winning. It's going to be Justin. Yeah, he was And I remember, like, most of the time, I was just happy to be running at the end. And I got more competitive as time went on. But, yeah, I definitely remember Brad beat me more often than not. <laughs> I, I put Brad, some time into that. <laughs> Brad, let me ask you about your eye racing. Do you think um, did you use the eye racing to really understand, and learn the code of track? I mean, you know, I mean, there's a lot of reference points and a lot of breaking points and shift. I mean, you know, would you say that eye racing really helped you learn that racetrack? So uh, I feel like that's 
that's definitely something that has shifted over my career of, of just driving in real life and then driving in the game. Um, first, you, you have those game habits, like, like your hands being smooth in the game. You, you don't want to have smooth hands in the game. And I've had to learn to have smoother hands. And uh, going to somewhere like Coda, um, after doing the Arca start, I kind of fi- figured out, I mean, the game isn't as super realistic as, as real life. I mean, uh, but... I mean, to, to David's point, I mean, you can use the reference points from the track in real life and it's the same. You know, obviously your breaking points will probably change by, I would say, 200, 300 feet, you know, depending right. on the track and, and tires are different. But uh, on iRacing, I mean, if you like if if you say we run like a 411 gear, for instance, you know, you go on iRacing setup and put a 411 gear in there, your shift points will be the same in, right. in the sim as they will be in real life. And just the only thing you have to figure out in real life is, you know, with track condition, your the style of brakes you had in your truck or, you know, the type of cooling, you know, the type the tires, you know, all that plays an effect more than the game does where you'd have to figure out more so how to go about the track. But it definitely gets you close. Like, it definitely makes it so I don't have to worry where the track is when I get there. and But instead, I'm just fine-tuning small little things. Yeah, that's so one more question, Brad, before we uh, move on to our uh, news and notes segment. Uh, you had this start at Coda. I know you'd like to get in the, uh, the, the race car more and such. What's kind of the rest of the year look like? Uh, you going to try to run more trucks, some ARCA? I mean, what's, uh, what, what would you like to do uh, if, uh, if you can get back in a race car here in 2022? Well, I mean, the goal that I set for myself in the beginning of the season is I want to run every single road course race, every single one. I don't care what series it is. I mean, um, obviously cost being considerate. I mean, I don't think ARCA is a very good, um, I guess, proposition for value. Like, I don't think, I mean, I think you can race an ARCA race, like for a mid-pack team for the same price that you can run an Xfinity. You know, I mean, if you want to win in ARCA, you're, you're going to win same price you're going to spend to try to win in trucks. So um, it's more like kind of picking your poison and, and figuring out what's the best deal that you can get as far as what your partners can provide or, or what you can provide to your partners to be able to put yourself in a good position. But um, I still think, I mean, Portland is an option. I, I still want to try to run the Xfinity race at Portland. I don't know what's open right now. I've been trying to call people and I don't know exactly for sure, but um, definitely trucks at Sonoma. Now that I've had this relationship with Josh, I feel like we could possibly do that race depending on funding and, um, the sponsors are pretty happy, so maybe that might happen again. Um, and then obviously mid-Ohio to complete the trifecta of road courses for trucks. But definitely want to hop in. Uh, Portland will definitely be one where since nobody has been there before, I'm not going to be totally out to lunch. So uh, we all kind of have an even playing field of experience there. So uh, we'll see. I mean, I'm trying to do as much as I can, but, you know, I'm trying my best. Sure. And, you know, Brad, the other thing, too. One of my favorite questions to ask drivers, whether it's been a good race or, or whatever the race weekend might be, whether it's been eventful, is when they look back on it, what they're going to remember most. And I'm, I'm curious for you, when you look back on this Coda weekend, say 40, 50, 60 years from now, you're on the rocking chair thinking about it, telling your grandkids about it. What are you going to remember most about Coda in that race weekend in your truck debut? Oh, man, there's a lot of things. But I'm, I'm, as, a, as a racer, the one thing that I'm going to remember is uh, coming to the green for the last green-white checkered. I told myself before we come, we went to the green, that first green white checkered, I kind of held back. So I was like, man, I feel like they're just going to wreck each other up there. And then after that, after a couple people took each other out, I'm like, you know what? 
I'm going to go as hard as I can, and I'm going to try, you know, consciously run really fast. I'm going to go as hard as I can in the breaking, consciously, not making a mistake, but I'm going to try to go 10 tenths, my 100%, and see what I can do. And uh, being able to pass, like, three or four trucks that lap, you know, and that, that kind of set to me, I'm like, you know what? Like, damn, kid, you could do this. So um, uh, that it, it hit me then, and I was like, man, that, that's something I'll remember for sure, you know passing a couple trucks like on that green white checkered like on merit you know a uh, sorry spencer boyd for spinning you out on the last lap did not mean that for sure but uh but for every other pass that i made definitely um that that's something that i'll remember forever so brad did you spend spencer boyd out <laughs> <laughs> I, did. I did so funny story about that um so in 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 my off time at bmw before i got the ram deal uh, I'm pretty tight with the Young's Motorsports guys. And yeah. uh, I mean, talk about Pickle, Tyler, Chaconis, all those guys. So uh, I would go over to their shop just to, you know, hang out. And sometimes I would help on the trucks, you know, if they needed a hand. or. And I, I actually helped put Spencer's truck together for Vegas. And uh, <laughs> so when on the last lap, I made a mistake. I I, I thought I, I was inside on him. I was at his door, but I, I kind of went in a little too hard and it, it stepped out from underneath me. And when I tried saving it, I hit him and I spun him. And uh, today, I actually went. In, I bought them donuts. I went into the shop, and I uh, I actually uh, tore up. I tore down his truck, so I, they had it on stands. And I was, and uh, just I, I felt bad, so I, I decided to. They know me, and I, I wouldn't do that on purpose. So, Spencer was mad though. You mean to tell me <laughs> that's awesome? <laughs> you tell me that you spun Spencer Boyd out, and you feel so bad about it that you went over there this morning with donuts and coffee and helped take their truck apart. Yeah. <laughs> That's a good guy right there. Yeah. Hey, you know, I, I don't uh, get access to the KBM shop floor. I don't get access to the GMS shop floor, but I know those guys. So I'll be a nice guy and I'll help them out. That's great. That's, yeah, that's, great. that's an awesome story, man. That's that's pretty cool. What Spencer tell you? <laughs> uh, man, on the cool down lap, he uh, he showed me how not happy he was, <laughs> and and I get it. I mean, we got to the to we pulled into the where the haulers were at, and he was screaming at me, and I was like, dude, I'm sorry. Like, I, I couldn't tell him anything more than it was my fault, man. I'm sorry. Yeah. Um, I ended up seeing him on the plane on Sunday, and. Uh, <laughs> He, uh, I didn't, I didn't make eye contact. So I was like, dude, I, I'm going to let you, I'm going to let you chill out. And then I'll text you on Monday. And he ended up texting me saying, Hey man, like no harm, man. I, I know you were trying all you could and, and uh, we're cool right now, but that's good. <laughs> my good. first altercation. Yeah. One, one thing you'll learn. I don't think, I think every race car driver has made that mistake. <laughs> and I believe Spencer <laughs> Boyd's probably made that mistake more than once. <laughs> yeah. That's and I don't I, think he went to their race shop and helped them uh, take their race car apart either. <laughs> it wasn't bringing them donuts and coffee. Either. No, not at all. Gosh, that's uh, good. Uh, before we get to our news and notes segment, real quick, we want to take time to tell you about our friends at Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter is the official ticket resale marketplace of Worldwide Technology Raceway, where David won in 2004 driving for Spears Motorsports. They'll also be the presenting sponsor of the Cup Race and Worldwide Technology Raceway in June. Fans can also get tickets to any type of event, including sports, concerts, and theater productions. We know Dominic loves the theater. Ticket Smarter is committed to helping those in need by donating $1 from every transaction to various charity organizations. 
Head over to TicketSmarter.com to find tickets for upcoming events. Ticket Smarter, not harder, on TicketSmarter.com. Time for our news and notes segments. Uh, we go to the uh, thespian himself, Dominic Aragon. Dominic, what do you got? Hey, Tyler. So every week on the show, we like to take a look at our top NASCAR news and notes and see what's going on around the sport. And, hey, the, the saga there with Brad Keselowski and Roush and their penalty, the one-point penalty assessed after the Atlanta race weekend, it's going to appeal. So RFK Racing's appeal of the L2-level penalties assessed after the Cup race at Atlanta is going to be heard on April 7th. So that's coming up next week. NASCAR officials confirmed on Monday also three members of the National Motorsports Appeals Panel are scheduled to meet and consider it a week from Thursday. So, guys, it looks like this 100-point penalty, we'll see. It'll be left in the hands of those members on that appeal team. Well, then when you see that and then the other penalty that was handed down to Booty Barker and the 23 team, also uh, a four-race suspension, was it a 100-point penalty too, Dom? For, no, not with the 23 team, no. Okay, but still, four-race suspension for that. NASCAR is not messing around, David, on uh, these penalties they're handing out this year. No doubt about it. And I wanted to ask uh, y'all, Dominic Tyler, uh, what did Brad do? What I, I still ain't figured out what what they did. I mean, do, do you guys know? All that NASCAR said was that they were assessed a penalty for, a, and this is exact wording, modification on a single source supplied part. And I do remember early on before the start of the season, they said they were going to come down on teams hard for trying to, to, to mess with those or modify parts. But an exact issue I haven't heard. Have you, Tyler? Yeah, I haven't seen exactly what that is, uh, what, what's going on there. But uh, it is noticeable that these penalties are harsher and that they're not given much wiggle room. Uh, Brad, what's your thoughts on all this, man? Um. From, from what I understand, uh, it's, it's tough because that rule that you just stated, like modifying a single source part, um, there's kind of a, a, a working gray area that's not being addressed, I feel. Like when you have those single uh, support or single supplier parts, sometimes they, they may not work for, for whatever reason on your build or, or there's a way that like something works more efficiently that not is, it's not necessarily a competition advantage but it's just like a streamlining issue, especially since teams, it's very difficult to get parts right now um, that I feel like I don't know exactly if that's what RFK's case is, but I've seen it in a lot of different situations where, you know, you know, there's not a part for this. So people have to fix, fix something up for it to work. And sometimes it shows up to the track and it's not compliant. And, you know, the teams didn't know it was illegal. So um, there's that. I mean, obviously they could have maybe tried to have a competition advantage. We don't know that, but I think the other side of that is, um, I believe Darian Grubb from Trackhouse had spoken about it where, um, what sometimes things that they do, they're trying to be extra conservative to make sure they stay in the rules because they're not even sure what is a rule break at this point. Mm -hmm. Yeah. It's kind of interesting, you know, when you buy an OEM part or, you know, obviously we're buying parts and pieces for this next gen car. And, uh, you know, you buy, you buy a part that's, uh, you know, licensed and certified to be bought for the racing teams to use on the race car. You know, they might need some modifications to them to make them work better, be a little bit more efficient. And I guess, you know, NASCAR's ruling, like, like Dominic was saying, you know, you cannot, you know, you cannot alter or, you know, readjust something or, you know, make something a little bit better, more efficient, even if it wasn't a competition advantage, you know what I mean? Just 
you can't touch it. You can't, you know, you can't massage on it. And uh, it's interesting to, to hear all our perspective on it, but we don't even know what it is and what part it is. Yeah. It's, it's, I'm curious to know, you know, uh, what parts and pieces was it? And, uh, in, and if it was or wasn't a, 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 a you know, whatever the, the, uh, the altercation or the, uh, what they were, what they were modifying to the part was to give them a, uh, a performance enhancement, you know what I mean? To make the, make them faster or, or, you know, enhance something or not. So it's kind of interesting that nobody really knows what, what part was being, uh, being modified, you know what I mean? So I think it's, it's interesting. And I think the appeals process, I think they will probably take that in consideration, you know, was this part, Pete, was it a safety issue that the racing team thought that they could, you know, they needed to do a little bit of work on it or change to make it more safer or, you know, it's just interesting uh, for the public not knowing what they, what they altered, you know what I mean? What part? You know, I wonder or, if more will come out, Tyler, when we hear about the appeal process next Thursday on April 7th, if more information will be distributed, or maybe we won't, but I feel like we'll have a, a better eye and a better understanding by then. I hope so. Uh, I believe NASCAR owes it to us to explain more exactly in detail and into the teams to, uh, you know, to, to get away from this confusion and such, you know, to learn more about these cars as far as I'm concerned. Dominic, what else we got? Yeah, so for the first time entering a cup race in 2022, there's no odds-on favorite for a winner in Sunday's race. So according to oddschecker.com, Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott are both entered as co-favorites to win at the Richmond Short Track. Kyle Larson is a past winner at Richmond, having won there in the September 2017 race, while he's also won an Xfinity Series there, too. Chase Elliott is a one-time winner in the Xfinity Series, with his win coming in 2015. But you look at the top five odds for the race on Sunday, guys, you have Kyle Larson and Chase Elliott with an implied chance of a 10% chance of winning. Logano, Kyle Busch, and Martin Truex there followed up third, fourth, and fifth, respectively. You know, I find it interesting that Chase is a co-favorite considering, Dom, we haven't seen him in victory lane nearly as much lately. And, and although he was in the championship four last year, he only won two races, one of those a rain short race at Coda. And he's the only Hendrick driver that hasn't won in 2022. But the guys out in the desert still high on uh, Chase Elliott to break through sooner rather than later here. 100%. Well, what's even weird, Tyler, there's no playoff points that the nine team has won. Yeah, he has a 13-point lead over Ryan Blaney as the points leader six races into the season. And, and I believe it was the second or third race in Chase Elliott had scored the most stage points among the competition. So Chase is putting together a quiet but consistent season. But, yeah, you have to find victory lane in that nine car. You know what else I find interesting? that Nobody mentioned Ross Chastain. And anytime there's momentum, 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 I mean, you better look out, you know, I wouldn't be surprised to see that number one car back in victory lane again, man, after having just a heck of a weekend and winning your first cup race, uh, man, you know what momentum does for a racing team. Look out, guys, you know what I mean? So I, I feel like that we'll see Daniel Suarez and Ross Chastain up there competing for a win again in Richmond this coming weekend. Well, and we're seeing these first-time winners, right? Three of the first five winners have been first-time winners and guys that have been – running good but having their breakthrough moment like Ross and like, uh, you know, Chase Briscoe and others. Tyler Reddick's day is going to come here eventually, right? Oh, I mean, mm -hmm. uh, I would think Tyler Reddick has, you know, I mean, he's a he's a good 
uh, racer, you know, on, on these type of tracks and such. I would think, Brad, that you, Tyler Reddick, if he's got a good shot to get his first career win, this is as good as ever here at, at uh, Richmond. Yeah, I was I was about to say, like, Reddick or Briscoe, I mean, uh, considering the show that they put on at Phoenix and them not being near on, on the high of the odds, I was like, man, they are wrong. <laughs> like, I would, I would give – I would honestly give Briscoe and the fact that, I mean, Phoenix, I mean, you can consider it like short track package um, that, you know, how good they did over there. Even at, at, at Coda, if you look at the lap averages, I mean, Chase Briscoe put down the fastest lap at Coda and, and didn't win because of a cut tire. So, um, you know, to kind of discount that 14 team, I think they have a lot of momentum as well. So uh, I feel like it's going to be the Briscoe and, and Reddick show at uh at richmond if not uh we might see a you know ross chastain pop in there as well i mean he's also fast at phoenix as well yeah should be a, a really fun race uh this weekend there at uh, richmond and uh, david you'll be out there uh in the 08 car you guys are locked in the field got that good news this week about the uh, the owner points so that's exciting uh and it should be a fun show this weekend at richmond before we get out of here, we'll get to our Ask David segment in a moment. But before we do, let's go racing with David Stiers, presented by Ticket Smarter. Ticket Smarter came aboard as the primary sponsor this year on the 08 Ford Mustang, driven by this guy. And we want to tell you a little bit more about what they do. Ticket Smarter is a national ticket re uh, ticket resale marketplace with tickets to over 125,000 live events, including NASCAR and other forms of motorsports, Fans can get tickets to every NASCAR Cup, Xfinity, and Camping World Truck Series race throughout the season. For more information, visit TicketSmarter.com. That's TicketSmarter.com. All right, here is our uh, questions in the inbox this week. You can reach out to us by email, DavidStarPodcastGmail.com. Also on Facebook, Facebook.com forward slash DavidStarPodcast. And uh, by Twitter, at StarPodcast is where you can find us there. Uh, first question, uh, and uh, both these questions for both of you guys. Uh, let's start out with uh, with David here. David, uh, would you like to see more road courses on the schedule? This question, uh, I forgot to mention all this. This is from uh, Jose. Jose wants to know, more road courses. I believe we have five now, five <laughs> or six. You want to see more? You, you like where we're at? Well, I, I like where we're at. You know what I mean? For years, in the when you know, racing all the years I raced in the NASCAR Camp World Truck Series, I think the first two years I started my career, we had three or four road courses, and then all of a sudden NASCAR took them away from us. We didn't have any. And now I think we have, what would you say, Tyler, five? Uh, let's go through them. Uh, on the cup schedule, it's Coda, Sonoma, Watkins Glen, the Indy Road Course, Charlotte. Am I miss? Uh, is that it? Road America. Road America. Road America. Six. Mm -hmm. Yeah, you know, I, I mean, I, I love the, you know, NASCAR and the different types of racetrack we race, we race on week in and week out. But I think that's probably plenty for me. You know what I mean? I mean, I, you know, I. I mean, it was a, a phenomenal. I think it was probably the best race. That's four the, times as many road course races as what the schedule had five years ago. Yeah, so I, I'm good with where we're at on road courses, but, man, the the race Sunday, the race Saturday, and the Friday's truck race were phenomenal. You know what I mean? The endings were un amazing. You know, the, the fans were standing up, screaming and hollering. It was exciting. But, uh, but for me personally, I would say I think that's a great number. 
Brad, uh, you love the road courses. Do uh, you want to see more? You, you think six is a good number here? Uh, for the Cup Series, I think that's that's about right. I mean, um, I, if anything, kind of, it might be a little too much because I think, obviously, I feel like more short tracks is always the, the, the move, you know. I mean, this, this sport is definitely built up on short tracks, and I think as far as the Cup schedule is concerned, if we're going to come up with a champion and, and a championship team, seeing them be able to dominate on all types of tracks on an even basis is really cool. Like if you had like five short tracks, five road courses, five intermediates, and then whatever, you know, two super speedways, or I guess you can call Atlanta super speedway now, so three. Um, <laughs> uh, I think that's, that's pretty, pretty stout for a championship. That makes a diverse championship. You can't really say that about many motorsports where you're going to go to different types of tracks that are that drastically different. And, uh, and be able to put together a championship season. So I think the amount of road courses we have right now is about fine. <laughs> Don, I only have one more request. On, I like where we're at road courses. I think we're close to the right number. But add me a street race, and then I'll be good. That's right. You're, you're advocating hard for that Chicago street race next year if that happens, aren't you? Yeah, Chicago, Nashville, um, you know, those would be probably my two places to come to mind. Okay. Yeah, I, I would say six is probably a good number, maybe one Or more. even Long Beach. Even Long Beach, right? But I mean, I think the longest time we heard fans say there's only two road courses on the schedule. When the roll got added in 2018, there was a lot of, of positive reception with that. And yeah, I think we're at a good number now. But hey, we'll see if they add some more. The, the, the only road course we've been to recently that I'm not a fan of, the, the racing hasn't been good, but it's not on the schedule, is the Daytona road course. It, it just hasn't been <laughs> That was a funny one. <laughs> <laughs> I forgot about that one. Yes, we raced there twice, uh, yes. Hey, Dominic, I'm, I'm going to have to uh, – I love you guys, but I'm going to have to disagree with Tyler. I, I don't feel like that our race cars and the type of stock cars we race are, are made for racing on a street course in a city somewhere, you know. <laughs> but, uh, but, hey, man, after seeing what NASCAR did at the L.A. Coliseum, was pretty awesome. Uh, it wouldn't surprise me. Nothing surprises me anymore. It wouldn't surprise <laughs> me to see a NASCAR race in a, road, in, a, in a major city somewhere across America next year. And you'll be in it. <laughs> <laughs> but both of you guys will. Absolutely. We'll see. Next question in the inbox. This one comes from Miguel. Uh, Miguel wants to know, David, what did you make of what happened between Will Smith and Chris Rock? <laughs> <laughs> Wow, man, you know, <laughs> well, hey, man, like, you know, like everybody, I'm a big Will Smith fan. I love his movies, and, man, he's just a great actor, and, and uh, man, I, I, that's a tough one to answer, you know. I mean, it's, uh, there's all kinds of emotions, you know. Uh, you know, uh, you appreciate him protecting his family, his loved ones, his wife, you know, uh, it was on national television during the Oscars, you know what I mean? I'm like, man, I, you know, uh, golly, you know, I, 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 man, that's, that's a tough one. I can't really say what I want to say. Uh, I was a little embarrassed for him, embarrassed for their industry. Uh, you know, uh, Chris, you know, if I'd have been the guy getting punched, man, it'd have been a lot uglier than it turned out. And, uh, <laughs> Uh, I, I don't know, man. It's just, uh, it's really the truth of the matter is for me, it was just kind of sad to see uh, professional, you know, you know, actors that we all love and watch on TV to have that happen live and the, the world's watching. 
to me, that's just, I don't know, that's, 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 uh, doesn't match what we think. And I mean, we just think all of them are class acts and uh, TV movie stars. And I don't know, it just put, I think it put a dark cloud over the whole Oscars, you know what I mean? And, and all the good things and the people that won and everything about it, it just put a black cloud over all of it, you know? And uh, I don't know, for me, it was just kind of sad. The whole deal was sad. What'd you think, Brad? Uh, yeah. It's tough. That that's a tough one because you know, imagine what you would have done if you were in a Will's situation. And th just thinking about that is like I couldn't give you a concise answer. Yeah. And um, you know, definitely there's like a level of professionalism that needs to be held, like especially in a in a in a in a thing like that. I mean, think about it in any other something that's on national TV. You know, you're held to a standard of professionalism. But at, that's a situation where, man, it's tough. Like, maybe Will's just had it. And, you know, sometimes I guess you can give him props that, you know, he was open enough to just say, I've had it. Or for Chris, uh, for Chris Rock getting slapped and not, not saying something or doing something back on TV. <laughs> there's, there's a lot of layers to that. And uh, I don't quite know all of the layers. So uh, it's hard for me to comment like David. <laughs> so um, I think I'll just leave it at, wow, uh, yeah. Chris Rock, he didn't skip a beat, did he, man? That guy was professional all the way. I mean, he didn't skip a yeah. beat. He just kept kept on entertaining and doing what he does. And uh, you got to respect, you know, the way he handled that and being on national television. I really have a lot of respect for him, even more than I did. And, uh, but, man, what a crazy situation. You know, they're asking us, Brad, what, I want to hear what Dominic Tyler's thoughts are. <laughs> no, no, I'll say this. I Definitely the slap around, the slap heard around the world. I had a lot of my students ask me what I thought about that today, too. I was like, yeah, that's, that's a tough one. I'm, I'm with Brad. I'm with David. It's, there's, there's so much to unpack with it. And I, I don't know. There, there's just so well, much we don't if know. If nobody wants to give a damn opinion around here, then I will. I guess I'll, I'll say. <laughs> <laughs> you know, like, look, Will Smith was out of line. I mean, you, you don't ever, you know, advocate for violence, you know, and taking the first punch, you know, we were all taught growing up that, you know, you, you don't hit first, but if somebody hits you, you, you better, you better punch them back. You know, you, my, my mom always told me, uh, I'd be in more trouble if I didn't f defend myself than if I just took a punch, you know? Um, so you, I would say that Chris Rock handled himself well and, and, you know, it was in poor taste, the joke. Yeah, it, it was, but it didn't need it. It escalated too far. That should have been handled behind the scenes. So that's how I look. And at that's that. what they hired him for, Tom, uh, Tyler. What yes. did they hire Chris? What's his job? You know, to make uh, jokes, to be a comedian. Absolutely. Yeah. You know, so absolutely. All right. Last question. Now, uh, this one's for Brad. It comes from Benny. Benny wants to know Brad, why is your social media game on fire? Uh, oh, man. That's a. Damn, that's an embarrassing question. <laughs> <laughs> yeah, you do have pretty good social media game, though, Brad, to be fair. I, I you know, I, personally speaking, I can't even call it a game. Like, it's just, it's just me. Like, social media, like, I grew up on damn social media. Like, you know, I, I was on freaking, I shouldn't have been, but I was on freaking Facebook since I was, like, 13. So, um, just, I like social media in the sense that I use it now because, um, I guess I'm kind of trying to be like how I wish I somebody could have been like 
you know, being in the NASCAR garage and getting to experience a lot of the stuff that I get to experience, it's cool to kind of give a little behind the scenes look at stuff. And I, I like to make fun of it because, you know, although NASCAR seems on the outside, like this big old glamorous thing, I mean, it's just fun because it's still racing. Like you go there and I look at somebody's side skirts and I, I you know, I'm like, man, that's pretty cool. Like, and I, I'll talk about it or, you know, we're in the garage and there's so many cool personalities you get to talk about and talk to. So uh, I try to make social media like fun and lighthearted and, and just get to see a lot of different stuff. And it's kind of me uh, projecting all the stuff that I don't really talk about all the time. <laughs> you know, David here, he, he acts like he doesn't know a thing about social media. But Dominic, you and I can attest, <laughs> if we look at David looking over his phone, what's he doing? Oh, he's surfing through Twitter or looking at <laughs> Facebook feed. Yeah, David knows how to use social media. Yeah, I'm, I'm, I can't. We say, got him on Snapchat. I can't say I'm too engaged in it, but uh, but I know how to look at it and watch it and all that kind of stuff, you know. But uh, but anyway, <laughs> yeah, David's gotten pretty good at Snapchat. We'll see. All we got to get him to do now is to learn how to send streaks. <laughs> yes. yes. Don't do it, David. Whatever they say, uh, don't do man. it. <laughs> you don't have to worry about that. I don't, I don't know much about it. You know what I mean? So, yeah. All right, guys, uh, before we go, uh, Brad, tell us about what's uh, what's going on with you over these uh, next few days, man. You're going to be out in uh, Richmond this weekend? Uh, so, uh, because of the deal with Rayums, uh, I had to be an employee, essentially. So, I, I had to take two weeks off work. And it's not doing pretty good for my finances. So uh, <laughs> I am working at BMW tomorrow, up and early at 5 o'clock in the morning to drive to South Carolina, be there at 7 o'clock. Um, working there tomorrow, the next day, the next day. Um, working until Friday. And then um, hopefully I'm trying to pick up a couple of days on the weekend because the uh, trucks are off. So um, trying to work a little bit more and, and watch the Xfinity race for sure. Get to watch Rajah for his debut uh, you had to watch David will will that thing. I want to see what that 08 thing has, man. I'm not making those races. I was like, man, I know it's tough to qualify in, but you know, the race is a different monster. So, um, oh, I kind of want to see what that 08 team has got. I love those guys at Greenlight Racing. So, uh, I'm, I'm, I'm going to be watching. David, uh, you don't have to worry about getting in the show. You know, you're in now. What, uh, what's different for you going into this weekend? A little more relaxed? Man, you know, it's, I don't know if you call it relaxed. It's just, uh, you know, more of uh, focused on that. We don't, you only get 20 minutes of practice, more focusing on getting your race car to rotate in the center and having some great forward bite there at Richmond. You know, if you can get in the corner good and your race car rotates, means it turns good in the center and you got good drive off, then you're going to have a great race, you know. But I can assure you, if your car, your race car doesn't turn good in the center, and you have no forward, no forward bite off the corners there at Richmond just because of the way you come off turn four there and you have no forward bite, man, it makes it for a long race. And uh, I've been talking to Jason Miller, my crew chief, a lot. We've had some great runs there over the years. And uh, it's, 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 it's fun to be able to just focus a little bit more on our race setup, you know, uh, being good 30 laps into a run than it is worrying about just that one lap to make sure you're in the race, you know. So uh, just uh, glad to have had the opportunity to go back to the racetrack this week, getting our uh, number 08 ticket smarter Ford Mustang. Looking forward to it. And I'm sure it's going to be a great race and can't wait for the race Sunday afternoon, man. That cup race is going to be phenomenal. Look, judging from what we saw this past weekend in Coda. Dominic, what's happening with you? Yeah, I'll be staying here in New Mexico this week and no racetrack for a while. But, yeah, I'll be watching from afar like you, Brad, and 
seeing how that 08 car is going to handle in the race. And <laughs> yeah, it's going to be awesome to, to see what happens this weekend. The cup race, I think, won't disappoint either. And we're not going to have anybody at the track for us this weekend. But yeah, we'll look forward to being back soon. We'll cover from afar. How about you, Tyler? I am uh, going to be rooting hard on my uh, Kansas Jayhawks. They're in the uh, Final Four this weekend. And uh, big game against Villanova. And uh, a lot of our friends from Ticket Smarter, just like me, uh, went to Kansas. So, uh, you know, we'll, we'll be taking on uh, some, some bandwagon Kansas fans and the SS Greenlight team, I'm sure, over <laughs> these uh, next couple of days. But that'll be fun. And, and uh, just enjoying uh, some time and such. And, you know, watch the races, of course, this weekend. And, and it uh, should be good. But uh, we got to run. We got to put the checkered flag out in this episode. Before we go, a reminder is always to subscribe to Let's Go Racing with David Starr. New episodes out each and every Wednesday, Apple, Spotify, Google Podcasts, and on YouTube. Make sure to leave us a five-star review or don't leave us one at all. Hit the like button if you enjoyed the show. If you didn't enjoy, enjoy the show, we'll hit the like button anyway. <laughs> and uh, you can follow us on Facebook, facebook.com forward slash David Starr Podcast, Twitter at Star Podcast, and send us an email, davidstarrpodcast at gmail.com. For Dominic Oregon, David Starr, and myself, Tyler Jones, we want to thank uh, Brad for joining us as well. And make sure to give him a follow and uh, check out his great work. We'll certainly be uh, rooting him on in his very bright future. I am Tyler Jones. Thanks so long. We'll see you here next week on another edition of Let's Go Right.